everyone, and welcome to the Barbell Mamas podcast. My name is Christina Previtt. I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist, researcher in exercise and pregnancy, and a mom of two who has competed in CrossFit, powerlifting, or weightlifting, pregnant, postpartum, or both. In this podcast, we want to talk about the realities of being a mom who loves to exercise. Whether you're a recreational uh, exerciser or an athlete, we want to talk about all of the things that we go through as females going into this motherhood journey. We're going to talk about fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum topics that are relevant to the active individual. While I am a pelvic floor physical therapist, I am not your pelvic floor physical therapist and know that this podcast does not substitute medical advice. All right, come along for this journey with us while we navigate motherhood together, and I can't wait to get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Barbell Mamas podcast. Christina Previtt here, and today we are going to take a deep dive into the menstrual cycle, and specifically, we're going to try and tackle a really hot topic on social media right now, which is the cycle syncing or catering your exercise routine to your menstrual cycle. In order for us to really get a good idea of what this might look like, or if we have any research to back this up, is to talk about the different phases of the menstrual cycle, what big hormones are involved, and what does the research say about cycling to our hormones. We're going to really start here with the menstrual cycle first, and then we'll go into some of that research. Our menstrual cycle is on average for females, 28 days plus or minus seven days. And it should be pretty rhythmic and pretty predictable. What I mean by that is that not everyone is going to have a cycle that is exactly 28 days. Some people are on 25 days cycles. Some people are on 30 day cycles, but it should be pretty consistent within a day or so of getting it at the same time every month. When we are thinking about period health and really for females, our menstrual cycle is a big vital sign for our health. We are looking for that consistency. If you have a cycle every 21 days, but it's consistent 21 days, that's great. If you have a cycle that's 33 days and you cycle 33 days consistently, that's great. When you're working with different obstetricians and gynecologists or you are seeking help from a provider, they're going to want to see that regular rhythm. And so when they go out of rhythm, for example, one of your cycles is 21 days and then the next one is 35 days and the next one is 28 days and there isn't any of that consistency, that is when they may do a little bit more evaluation to see if there's anything going on with the hormones that trigger certain parts of our menstrual cycle that may be leading to some of that variability. Within the menstrual cycle, when we are thinking about our our day one, that is the first day that we start bleeding. So if you are having getting your period, that is day one of your menstrual cycle. And we use that in order for us from a fertility perspective to figure out from day one, when is it that we are going to be ovulating? 
So on average, individuals are gonna bleed for four days-ish, plus or minus roughly two to three days. Again, you wanna have that regularity for you of what that means. Some people are gonna have heavier cycles. Some people are gonna have lighter cycles. Your cycle will also change throughout your life. For example, when individuals first go through puberty, they become an estrogen surge and periods tend to be heavier in our younger individuals and it kind of mellows out a little bit to a steady rhythm as you get a little bit further from your first period. And then obviously as we get towards menopause, it'll start to to ease off as estrogen concentrations in our body come down. And so you should be bleeding roughly four-ish days. Some people it'll be seven, some people it'll be three, but again, regularity there. When we're talking about research on the menstrual cycle, it can be kind of confusing because it can be broken down into two, three, or four phases. I really like the four-phase model because it intuitively makes a lot of sense, I think, for people, and it's easier for us to kind of tease apart different parts of our menstrual cycle and what that might mean for how we're feeling. We have our menstruation, which is that four-ish days that I've talked about. Then you're going to have your follicular phase leading into your ovulation phase into your luteal phase. When you're thinking about ovulation, this is the period of time when an egg can be fertilized and you can get pregnant. That is usually on days 12 to 14 of your menstrual cycle. When individuals are starting to track their cycles, when they are trying to get pregnant, you're going to start from day one of your period and go up forward 12 to 14 days. And that's how you're going to be able to track when you should be ovulating and when fertilization can take place. Each of these phases of your menstrual cycle have a specific hormone profile that happens that is pretty, it should be pretty regular and it's actually a really neat nuanced process that allows us to continue to have these opportunities to get pregnant month over month when individuals are in their fertility window. So when you are menstruating, this is when your estrogen and progesterone are at their lowest. When we are talking about hormone health and when we are talking about the menstrual cycle, we really are talking about three big hormones. And I'll bring up one other small kind of accessory hormone, but it's not really an accessory. We are talking about estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And all three of these sex hormones are extremely important for our menstrual health and our overall hormonal health. A lot of people, when they're thinking about testosterone, think that as a big male driver, which it is, but we should have lower but consistent levels of testosterone in our bloodstream, and it's an important part of our health and our musculoskeletal health. So keeping our muscles and bones strong rely on all of our sex hormones, including testosterone. When it comes to the menstrual cycle, we're focusing on estrogen and progesterone. So phase one of the menstrual cycle, when we are menstruating day one through day four-ish, we are going to have estrogen and progesterone at their lowest points. That is the signal to shed the lining of your uterus because uh, fertilization didn't occur, so menstruation is going to occur. 
From there, when you get into your follicular phase, your estrogen levels are going to spike and they're going to hit a high peak leading into ovulation. And this estrogen peak is really important because it triggers this accessory hormone-ish that I was going to talk about, which is luteinizing hormone. It triggers luteinizing hormone to expel a egg from your, your ovary and put it into the fallopian tube. And that spike of estrogen leads to luteinizing hormone comes up. And then once the egg is expelled, estrogen starts to dip. Then ovulation occurs where estrogen is at a lower point again. Progesterone is kind of hanging out. It's not doing anything in particular. It's staying at a pretty low level. And then after ovulation, estrogen and progesterone go up again in hopes of, from our our body's perspective, fertilization. And then toward, and that's when we get into the luteal phase. And then towards the end of the luteal phase, if we do not get pregnant, then both the estrogen and progesterone hormones start to come down again to signal our body to shed that uterine lining that has gotten bigger and plumper in order for a fertilized egg to embed if we were to be pregnant. And because that didn't occur, estrogen and progesterone come down and we shed that lining. When it comes to research in the performance space, that menstrual cycle and that fluctuation of hormones for a really long time made there be a big mismatch between the amount of research that was done in men versus the amount of research that was done in women. And so there lately, thankfully, has been a bigger increase in research being done specifically on females in the strength and conditioning space, in the performance space, as we've seen more females get into athletics, as we have seen a bigger uptick in females getting involved in other sports, etc., and just wanting to be active and have an adequate representation of both genders in our research base. You know, we don't have a single study on bracing or Valsalva in females outside of pregnancy, and really, we don't have a ton of research on Valsalva in general, but all of the research that we do have is in men outside of being pregnant. And there's been a lot of work to bring up and see more research. And one of the ways that we are trying to do that is to see if there are certain parts of our menstrual cycle that are going to impact our performance or the way that we feel when we exercise. This is a wonderful research question. We want to know if there are parts of our cycle that we have better performance or we feel better or we recover faster. Where this has gone awry is this big surge in marketing that has happened that has created this ideology that we need to train to our cycle. When it comes to the research on this, it is not substantiated. What I mean by that, we have now three systematic reviews that have looked at different performance markers, like jump performance, strength, the late onset muscle soreness, some of our blood markers on recovery. And overwhelmingly, we have not seen a big clinically relevant, and that's a big point, like clinically relevant, we'll we'll talk about that, difference 
between train what how we train in our luteal phase versus our follicular phase on our outcomes. I'm going to put a big asterisk sign here with this. This does not mean that we do not train to how a person feels. When you are going through your menstrual cycle, there are going to be days potentially where you feel horrendous. That doesn't mean that we don't take how you feel into account and modify your exercise program. We also are going to have days where we feel pretty good. And that doesn't mean that you don't take the opportunity of those days to maybe push it a little harder in the gym. We're absolutely going to do that. What this says is that we should not be doing just yoga in our follicular phase and only do high intensity in our luteal phase because we are respecting where our hormones are at throughout our menstrual cycle. We don't have evidence to support that. The other big exception is when individuals have menstrual disorders or fertility-related conditions. So individuals with really significant premenstrual syndrome, PMS, or an even more significant premenstrual issue called premenstrual premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD, which is linked to really painful periods, we are going to have instances with those individuals where they're going to be probably taking a couple days off around their cycle. When we talk about cycle syncing, we are not talking about catering an exercise program to how individuals are feeling. This is similar to individuals with fertility-related conditions like cysts or endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome, which can also be associated with really painful period cramps and other pain syndromes during different stages of their cycle. We are absolutely going to be catering to this. This is for a person who is having a regular menstrual cycle who does not have any of these conditions. We do not need to train in a different way based on their cycle. So objectively, so based on how strong we are, how much we recover, what our recovery markers look like in our blood, we have no difference between what you're doing in your luteal phase and what you're doing in your follicular phase at this time. When I did this recording in May of 2023, we just had a systematic review come out specifically talking about resistance training and showing very little to no difference in each phase of the cycle. What I will do for my clients and speaking into the resistance training space, this is relevant, is I will ask athletes about how they feel at different parts of their cycle And then we are going to talk about weight gain throughout the cycle because those are two things that are going to be really relevant for barbell athletes and something that we want to take into account that really is in the realm of, of normal deviations that individuals will feel throughout their cycle. Anecdotally, what we see on the performance side of things is that right before your period, almost everyone feels worse in the gym. Whether it's a little tiny dip that you barely notice or you feel like you have to go down in your weights or in your activity 10 or 15% because you are just feeling really bad. That can be the two to four days leading up to your menstrual cycle. On your period itself, on menstruation day one, 
it's kind of this 50-50. Some people actually feel a lot stronger at the that time of their cycle and others feel terrible. I think there's a large variation. Everyone is going to feel their cycle a little bit differently. If you have some of these things like more intense PMS or premenstrual dysphoric disorders, you're probably going to be on the I feel worse side of the spectrum. But it's important to acknowledge that, you know, there is a lot of variability and some people feel great and some don't. In general, we also see that individuals tend to feel best around ovulation. And when we think about this from an evolution perspective, it kind of makes sense, right? Body image tends to be a little bit better. We feel a little bit leaner. And it's because our hormones are telling us that we want to get rowdy and we want to get pregnant. What that means is, is that we are going to want to feel better about ourselves so we can, you know, peacock to the male of our species and want to engage in sexual activity around that time. From a performance perspective, we can then perform better, which is just kind of interesting to think about. When it comes to weight gain around ovulation, we tend to be at our lowest throughout the cycle. And sometimes I've spoken to nutrition coaches who will really map the cycle of their athletes who tend to have these big swings because individuals who are on a cut, for example, may not think like they're losing weight, but it's because you're comparing where you're at in ovulation to right before your period And when you're on your period, you tend to gain four, five, sometimes I've had individuals who gain upwards of 10 pounds around their menstrual cycle. And so it's not that you didn't lose weight. Maybe it looks like you only gained seven pounds this month around your cycle, but it's because you've lost three pounds across your cycle this month. And then when you're at your next ovulation phase, you're going to be three pounds lighter than you were when you compare it to your last ovulation phase. And so that's a really interesting way that I've seen individuals kind of cater to their athletes around their menstrual cycle, but that doesn't mean that they're changing necessarily what their nutrition looks like during that time. When it comes to our barbell athletes, it's important to know what that weight gain is like, and it's also important to know how they feel with respect to performance. From a weight gain perspective, if you're working with CrossFitters, this isn't going to matter. But if you're working with wrestlers or individuals in karate or individuals who love powerlifting or weightlifting, we are in weight class sports. And what that means is, is if you know that your athlete gains six pounds around their menstrual cycle and their meat is around when their menstrual cycle would be, then they're going to have to cut a little bit differently for that meat than if it's in their ovulation phase. When we're thinking about their performance, it can be the same thing. If you know that they tend to feel really bad leading up to their period and they're gonna be on their period or approaching their period around that meet, maybe you're a little bit more conservative with your selections, at least for number one, and say, you know, we just wanna get something up on the board. You tend to feel a little bit less strong these days and we're gonna make sure that we're catering to that. These are ways that we can take the what the evidence is saying around strength with what our clients and athletes and individuals who love exercising are feeling and blend these two things. 
Individuals who are involved in sport can't step away from their sport for two weeks at a time out of a four week cycle. We just can't deload for two weeks and then continue the rest of the time. If you are a person who loves exercise for health and you feel better when you are doing yoga on your luteal phase or follicular phase and doing high intensity only around ovulation and that makes you feel good, that's fine. I love that. My job is just to get individuals as active as we possibly can because in our society, we don't have a too much movement problem. We have a lack of movement problem. And if that is the way that you feel best, I think that's great. What we want to make sure that we are weary of is individuals who are trying to sell you programs based on evidence-based, and if you're listening to this audio, I am doing air quotes, this evidence-based cycle syncing that we just don't have anything to support that. This is where I get upset around things that we see on social media because we want to be in all of our healthcare, for me in pelvic health, for me as a coach and as an athlete, promoting resiliency, promoting strength. And sometimes those messages around cycle syncing can really promote this message of fragility that because of our hormones, we are somehow less physically capable in certain parts of the month. And that I am 100% opposed to because that is not true. And we do not need more messaging telling us that we are fragile. We need more messaging empowering us to realize how strong we are. And that doesn't just mean in the barbell. That means in life in general. And so anytime I'm seeing these messages around cycle syncing, I always want to investigate more of where that key theme and messaging is coming from. Because if it's coming from trying to sell you a program and using fear-focused or fragility-invoking messaging to do that, I'm opposed. If it is trying to get individuals who were not previously active to be physically active, then I can get behind it, but it's also not evidence-informed. It's just a variability of a program. And, you know, we can't say that when our estrogen is high but our progesterone is low, then we should be doing yoga because we just don't have the research to back that up. So kind of bringing this full circle, I think it's so, so important for our individuals, if you were listening to this podcast and you have never tracked your menstrual cycle, to try and figure out if there is any connection. You know, do you feel better or worse at different times? When you are doing your exercise days, can you put in your journal where, how you felt that day? Good. It could be good, bad, medium. It can be on a scale of one to 10 what your rate of perceived exertion was for the entire session, and then put that phase that you're in of your menstrual cycle underneath and just track that over time and see if you notice any differences. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. I'm an individual that does not feel a ton of variability around my cycle, but I've also never had a lot of painful periods or symptoms like that and feel very fortunate that way. I have other athletes that that is not the case and they feel very different at different phases of their cycle. And so we take their menstrual cycle more into account. The only caveat that we're, you're probably thinking as you're listening to this is what about individuals who are on oral contraceptives? 
That is a whole other topic about the influence of oral contraceptives on performance and on health in general. We are going to tackle that in another episode, so stay tuned for that. And uh, I'm working actually on getting a physician who focuses on uh, fertility and exercise performance female athletes on the podcast. So I'm really excited to hopefully bring her on to talk about things that are maybe a little bit outside of my scope, um, but definitely information that's super important for our female athletes. All right, that is it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any other questions or thoughts around menstrual cycles or cycle syncing, please let me know. If the evidence changes, I will do an update and I will retract all the things that I'm saying. But as of May of 2023, when I published this episode, we just don't have the evidence to back it up. So stay strong, make modifications to your menstrual cycle if you're feeling like crud one day or if you're feeling good the other but you don't need to do anything specific based on the phase of your menstrual cycle. Have a great day, everyone. Please like or subscribe to the podcast if you are enjoying this content and we'll see you next week.